Hello, and welcome to this speed listen installment of the Six Gun Justice podcast, featuring everything you need to know about one of the most successful Western writers of all time, and one of my personal favorites, Ralph Compton, in under 15 minutes. I'm Paul Bishop. My compadre Richard Prosh and I co-host the full-length episodes of the Six Gun Justice podcast, but ride solo for our own speed listen bonus installments. According to legend, when Scottish poet Robert Burns was plowing in the fields and inadvertently unearthed a mouse's nest the rodent would need to survive the winter, he composed a rhyme on the spot containing the line, The best laid schemes o' my some men gang up ugly. Or, as we better know it today, with the porridge removed, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. While hardly fit for an entry in a cowboy poetry contest, the sentiment is pertinent to today's speed lesson. When wrapping up the last episode of the Six Gun Justice podcast, we announced our plans for this speed lesson to tell you all you needed to know about Northwesterns, those daring north-of-the-border western tales of Six Gun Justice in the mountains and forests of Canada and across the frozen tundra of the Yukon Territories. But when I began digging into the subject and discovered how vast the Northwestern genre is, especially when you add in all those scarlet-coated cowboys we call Mounties. To do the subject justice, and to tie it into the westerns we all know and love, the genres are very close, but there are subtle and not-so-subtle differences that are inherently Canadian. Rich and I agreed we'd give the Northwesterns the treatment they deserved in an upcoming full-length episode of the Six-Gun Justice podcast. This meant fast-forwarding the subject I've been planning for my following speed listen, the legendary western wordslinger Ralph Compton. Not many writers stand six foot eight inches tall without their boots. Neither have many written 23 books in eight years, with several selling over a million copies and hitting the USA Today bestsellers list. The only wordslinger to hit the mark in both classifications is the Western reader's favorite, Ralph Compton. Wearing his boots and his cowboy hat, the late Compton's wiry frame could be seen rising head and shoulders above the crowd wherever he went. His most amazing accomplishment, however, was not growing tall, but his prolific telling of Western tall tales. At 56 years old, having little fire writing experience, he sat down and began the opening chapter of his first Western, The Good Night Trail. In the next eight years, he wrote 22 more Westerns before cancer took him home at age 64. His canon of work was so popular, Signet, who published his books in paperback, used his legendary legacy to build the Ralph Compton brand. There have since been 82 westerns authored by some of the best writers in the genre published under the Ralph Compton banner. When Signet stopped issuing new Compton titles in 2016, the total of Compton books in print, those written by Compton himself and those written by others writing for the Compton brand, was 105. Truly a testament to both Compton and to the strength of the western genre. On US 411, near Odenville, Alabama, drivers pass a sign claiming, Home of Ralph Compton. It denotes the beginning of a six-mile trek through the woods to the log cabin with the dirt floor where Compton was born. In his autobiography, Compton stated, You walked three miles along the seaboard railroad tracks, climbed a cut bank, and trudged another three miles along through the woods. Born in 1937, at the tail end of the Depression, Compton's family struggled with the harsh realities of poverty. It seems like we all started poor, and it went downhill from there, Compton said. His mother had a sixth-grade education, his father a fifth-grade education. Compton commented on his family's fortunes in those lean years, stating, By the time FDR's team of mules, seed, and fertilizer got to us, there were no mules. His father settled for oxen instead of mules. Inexperienced at best when it came to planting a crop, Compton said of his father, in his best year, he made almost enough to repay what he owed the government. 
Compton graduated from St. Clair County High School in Odenville, a major accomplishment for a young boy in worn-out clothes and rarely a full meal. Compton states, In those days, welfare families were not looked on with favor. There were four of us, and we received a staggering sum of $39 a month. I owe my high school graduation to understanding teachers who provided odd jobs so I had the bare necessities. He points to his high school principal, Nancy Wilson, to whom he dedicated his first Western, for his love of reading and his ability to read with comprehension and retention. Because I did read, she moved me ahead, encouraging me to read literature and history more advanced than my grade required. Before my graduation, I knew I wanted to write, although I wasn't sure what. Compton served in the Army during the Korean War. When he returned home, he was still unsure of his career direction. He joined forces with his brother Bill, a skilled guitarist with a good voice. They formed a bluegrass group and set out to play the local circuit of legion halls, armories, and schools. They played live on the radio stations, often racing from station to station to reach the widest audience possible. Compton recalled, Most little stations provided free time on Saturday afternoon, usually 15 to 30 minutes, for those enthusiastic enough or dumb enough to donate their talent for the exposure. In 1960, Bill moved on to play with Country Boy Eddie, a singer, fiddler, and guitarist who hosted the long-running Country Boy Eddie show on Alabama's WBRC-TV station. Ralph traveled to Nashville, where he struggled as a songwriter. He co-founded the Rhinestone Rooster, a tabloid magazine, but quickly went broke. He borrowed money to keep the magazine afloat, but quickly went broke again. Not willing to give up, he turned the Rhinestone Rooster into a record label, but still did not find enough success to make the venture worthwhile. Jobs as a radio announcer, a newspaper columnist, and other odd jobs followed. In the summer of 1988, when he claimed, I was pretty well fed up with the music business, the then 54-year-old Compton began writing a novel. He wrote what he knew, he says, a southern novel, a hard times tale of growing up during the Depression. Bob Robertson, a literary agent who read the manuscript, felt Compton's writing showed promise. He didn't, however, believe he could sell the novel to a publisher as the market was saturated with similar coming-of-age tales. But Robertson was impressed enough with Compton's writing to ask him a straightforward question. Can you write a Western? Compton's reply would ultimately change his life. I don't know. I like Westerns, but I've never written one. Let me try. Writing feverishly in every spare moment around his 40-hour-week nighttime work schedule, he completed a shoot-'em-up 185-page manuscript. However, when he showed it to Robertson, the agent told him it was good, but had nothing to distinguish it from hundreds of other westerns. The agent then offered more sage advice. Write the kind of westerns you like, and plan on writing at least three books, a minimum of 350 pages each. This seemed overwhelming to Compton, who felt he'd already done the best he could. But Robertson continued to encourage him. The agent wanted a potential series, something with a hook that had not been done before. Over the next several weeks, Compton and Robertson talked ideas. They wanted a concept to embody all the exciting aspects of the Western, yet be unique in its presentation. From their collaboration, the concept of the Trail Drive series was created. In January of 1990, after much sweat and research, Compton presented Robertson with a detailed synopsis of the first three books in the series. The Goodnight Trail, The Western Trail, and The Chisholm Trail. Robertson enthusiastically approved. Eight months later, Compton finished writing The Goodnight Trail, a rip-roaring western about the cattle drive which established a new route from Texas to Colorado. 
Compton skillfully mixed fact with fiction as he told the tale of former Texas Rangers Benton McClabe, Will Elliott, and Brazos Gifford to ride the trail alongside the real-life Charles Goodnight. Compton's characters were fresh and alive, jumping off the page with a historical background accuracy that would become his trademark. The rights to the Goodnight Trail sold quickly, establishing a profitable long-term relationship with publisher St. Martin Press and Signet Books. It sold more than one million copies and was chosen by the Western Writers of America as a finalist for their Medicine Pipe Bearers Award, given to the best debut Western of the year. Compton had read many of the great Western writers. While believing he had developed his own style, he claimed, I shamelessly adopted one element which I admired most in the works of Louis L'Amour. While there was romance in his books, there was no graphic, shocking sex. Of his writing, Compton also explained, I depended solely on three elements. One, a powerful sense of time and place. Two, a strong, fast-paced story with interesting subplots. And three, powerful, memorable characters. His inspiration for the strong characters and style of storytelling he brought to his own work was the television series Gunsmoke. In a 1993 issue with the Roundup, a publication of the Western Writers of America, Compton returned to the question that started it all. Can you write a Western? I could, and thank God I did. My one regret is I lacked the confidence and courage to do it sooner. Ten more Westerns in the Trail Drive series followed. Books in the Sundown Riders series and the Border Empire series, along with a dozen other Westerns added to his prolific, fast-paced output. Like a man knowing he was running out of time, Compton authored more than two dozen novels during the last decade of his life. His novels Six Guns and Double Eagles, The California Trail, and The Shawnee Trail were all bestsellers. In 1997, Compton passed away from cancer in Nashville, Tennessee, at age 64. His journey from dirt floor beginnings to best-selling author is one of hope and perseverance, as inspiring as any of his westerns. In his own words, while the Old West lives only in the pages of history, I believe there's something within each of us that longs for those days when there was yet another frontier to be conquered, another mountain to cross, and the thrill of the unknown. I believe the Old West will live forever, perhaps not in Hollywood, but in the hearts and minds of men and women who refuse to let it die. In 2020, Berkeley Books, a subsidiary of Peglin Random House, performed a Lazarus Act on the Ralph Compton brand. Not only did they begin reprinting the original books written by Compton himself with fantastic new covers, but they also began an aggressive publication schedule of new books from top Western writers being published under the Compton banner in much the same fashion established by Signet. The first of the new books from Berkeley, which also had the same fantastic style of covers as the reprints, began appearing on the virtual spinner racks in May 2020, with a total of 24 planned for publication by the end of 2021. Each of the books in the revitalized Compton brand includes the Ford, The Immortal Cowboy, written by Compton. This is respectfully dedicated to the American cowboy. His was the saga sparked by the turmoil that followed the Civil War, and the passing of more than a century has by no means diminished the flame. True, the old days and the old ways are but treasured memories, and the old trails have grown dim with the ravages of time, but the spirit of the cowboy lives on. In my travels to Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Arizona, I always find something that reminds me of the Old West. While I am walking these plains and mountains for the first time, there is this feeling that a part of me is eternal, that I have known these old trails before. I believe it is the undying spirit of the frontier calling, allowing me, through the mind's eye, to step back into time. What is the appeal of the Old West of the American frontier? It has been a 
epitomized by some of the dark and bloody periods in American history. Its heroes, Crockett, Bowie, Hickok, Earp, have been reviled and criticized, yet the Old West lives on larger than life. It has been a symbol of freedom, where there was always another mountain to climb and another river to cross. When a dispute between two men was settled not with expensive lawyers, but with fists, knives, or guns. Barbaric, maybe, but some things never change. When the cowboy rode into the pages of American history, he left behind a legacy that lives within the hearts of us all. With the revitalized Compton brand and many other Westerns that are making their appearances on the bookshelves today, there can be no doubt the Western genre is as alive and kicking as a team of cowpunchers coming off a cattle drive with money in their pockets. Thanks for listening to this bonus feed listen installment of the Six Gun Justice podcast. Remember to check out our website at www.sixgunjustice.com for regularly updated reviews, articles, and interviews from the best of the Western wordslingers. You can also email your questions or comments to sixgunjusticewesterns at gmail.com. Six Gun Justice podcast episodes, speed listen installments, and Six Gun Justice conversations are available for your listening pleasure on all major streaming platforms. Till next time, stay safe and healthy, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. Check your boots every morning for snakes and spiders. Wash your hands regularly, keep your fingers away from your face, and wear your mask. Adios, let's ride.